Good morning, everybody. It's great to, well, not see you, but it's great to be together. Firstly, why don't we open in prayer? Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that we are not separated in our oneness in the body of Jesus Christ. If we're not separated from you in heaven, then we're certainly not separated by the current situation that we experience. But at the same time, we do feel it. We feel not being able to gather together in a deep and real way. And so we pray that you would uh, strengthen us, strengthen our church family. We pray for each other. For those who are fearful, Father, we pray that you would be their hope and their joy for those of us who are able to encourage through the week, maybe picking up the phone or, or jumping on a vid video chat together, Father, let us encourage each other. Uh, and for the wider body of your people on this incredibly significant day, Father, we pray that you would bless us as we remember what you have done for your people. We thank you that the history of the church is marked by moments where we remember. We thank you that we can remember now. We thank you that your people centuries, millennia ago, were called to remember. Memories are such an important thing because what we place our thoughts on, what we dwell on, what we set our heart to shapes us. And so we pray that we might always be mindful in our thoughts, that we might be shaped by this memory moment, by this memorial of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, that we might be reminded of your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read. We're going to read together from uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 28, it's the account of Jesus' death. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the others. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. 
The man who saw it was given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. I'm really thankful for the tech team who are behind the scenes uh, looking, after, looking after this stream and uh, thankful for those who are watching on on the comments. Uh, I've got too many things on my screen at the moment, so forgive me for not watching those comments as well. Um, but, but let's think for a few minutes uh, about that reading that we've just shared together. Over the past few weeks on a Sunday, we've been uh, sharing five words. That might seem a little strange to some of us, but it's worth remembering why we do that. We share five words because it's a way for us to remind ourselves that uh, we're all here. <laughs> to hear the voice, even if it's the typed voice of, of one of our friends is a great thing. It's a reminder that we're sharing this moment together. But I think we can we can, in a sense, we can redeem five words over this period of time, and we can redeem five words for our lockdown as we engage with the Bible together. In fact, the idea that I'm going to share this morning is something that we could do all of the time. It's a way of sharing five words with every reading that we come come to. I, I think it works like this. The first, the first word is always listen. When we come to God's word, we're reminded we're listening to God speaking to us. So with, with a prayerful heart, we want to do that just now. We acknowledge that we're listening to your word. We're sharing together your word and we're praying that you would speak to us. We believe that God speaks by the power of his spirit. That combination of the spirit of God and the word of God coming together speaks to us. We hear lots of voices, particularly the voices around us at our particular challenge in, in history right now. But the voice that we really need to hear is the voice of God speaking to us. Maybe for the first time, maybe you're joining us and, and sharing together in this moment, or you've been coming along on a on a virtual Sunday gathering and, and you've decided to join us this morning. I think one of the great messages of the Christian faith is that God does speak to us because he is living and vital and he engages with us through his Holy Spirit who dwells within us. That's the promise of those who believe in God, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. But the amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit speaks to us even before we believe. God speaks to us on that journey of us coming to faith in him. And so we want to use the first word, listen, to say, please speak to us now. The next thing I did when I came to this text was I, I thought, what, what are the three words that, that really speak to me? Where do I engage with this text and how does it speak to me? So if we just have a quick look at the first few verses of this text. 
later knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled. That's how it opens. And then later on, we have these amazing words that Jesus says in verse 30, as he dies, he said, it is finished. It seems the way John is writing this, that, that Jesus is nailed to the cross. There's been various things that he said. And he lifts his head and he says, it is finished. And then he bows his head and dies. There's an amazing sense. And the first word that comes to me when I come to that little bit of our reading is completeness. Jesus had completed everything that he had set to do. And so he could get to the end of his life and he could say, it is finished. I think for most of us, for many of us, we have a sense of how do I make my life count? How do I live a life so that I can get to the end of life and know that I've finished, that I've fulfilled and completed a good life? I think it's something that many of us will never feel. We always have this sense that there's there's something more. There's something more that I could have done. There's something more than I, that I should have done. But Jesus is able to say at the end, everything that I purpose to do, it is finished. As we come and we remember on this Good Friday morning, on this crucifixion day, we can remember that Jesus completed everything. And we can also remember that if we are in him, we complete everything as well. We know that so often we're reminded that Jesus has come to give us a life which is fulfilling. But also Jesus gives us a fulfilled life. To get to the end of our lives and ultimately to know that I am completely fulfilled if I am in Jesus because he fulfilled in his life is something which at this moment in our history might be really important for us to remember. There was a completeness in Jesus. And that lead us, leads us on to the second word which jumps out at me, which is fulfillment. Yeah, Jesus fulfills a great life, a full life, a complete life in his life but also jesus fulfills everything that the bible is all about in verse 36 of our reading right at the end we read these words these things happened the way jesus died the way the soldiers behaved these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. What, what's John talking about there? Well, the first reminder that he has is not one of his bones will be broken. In Psalm chapter 34 and verse 20, we read this. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. This prophetic psalm which was writing about 
were writing these few words, centuries before Jesus, they actually find their fulfillment in Jesus, in his death, in those final moments and those moments beyond his death. The fulfillment of the Bible is in Jesus. Then we read, they will look on the one they have pierced. And John's taking us back there to Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. This is what God says. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me and, sorry, let me read that again. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Look at that, what God is saying. This is what I'll pour out on my people. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. What I find amazing about that is those soldiers who were tasked with making sure that all of those who were crucified on the day before the celebratory Sabbath, they had no intention whatsoever to fulfill the Bible. They went uh, coming to the three crosses where the two thieves and Jesus were nailed and reminding themselves of Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 and making sure that they didn't break the legs of Jesus. Jesus had already died and his legs were not broken. Jesus had already died and one of the soldiers, just to confirm, thrust a spear into the side of Jesus and released blood and water as we read and fulfilled precisely what God was going to do so that we would know and we would recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who was promised, the one who we now see nailed to a cross. Fulfillment is an amazing word to put over this text. The third word that comes to mind for me is when we read verse 34 and verse 35. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. So the soldier gives a testimony, a witness statement of what happened. And so that third word that jumps, fourth word that jumps out for me is witness. Our faith in Jesus is not a spiritual concept alone. It is that. But our faith in Jesus is rooted in witness accounts of the life of Jesus. A soldier who had no intention whatsoever to fulfill the wishes of God, his intention was to fulfill the wishes of Pilate. His, fulfill, his intention was to fulfill the requirements on him to do his job. And yet he becomes a witness 
to the truth of Jesus dying on a cross. So we've listened. We've seen completeness, fulfillment, witness. And the fifth word that that brings me to, I think, is gratitude. The soldier reminds us why we read about this. He writes that, or we, John writes that, he testifies so that you also may believe. Gratitude, so that we, we might believe that this is for me, for all who believe, so that our gratitude might move us to worship, might move us to belonging, and might move us to obedience. Well, as strange as it might be, I wish you a very happy Easter. Um, may we as a church be praying for each other over these next days. And as we prepare ourselves to be together on Sunday afternoon, may our hearts be thankful as we look forward to remind ourselves that it doesn't end on the cross. We pray that God will be with you. We pray that God will bless you. We pray that God will keep you. We pray that the hope of Jesus might satisfy you. And we pray that the Holy Spirit might encourage you. Amen.